three chips. This is our second episode after last week's strong performance. We're back again. Uh, we're joined this week by myself, Dan, Carl, and Jack. Hello, boys. How's it going? Hey, Dan. Yeah, all good, mate. You? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Carlos, how's things? Yeah, all good. Um, current game week isn't going too well, but um, not bad on the whole. Yourself? Yeah, good. Let's let's jump straight into it then, mate. Carlos, how's your how's your game week going? What's what's gone well? What's not gone so well? Talk me through. General captain, probably the first thing I could say that hasn't gone well. First weekend for Fernandez hasn't gone too well for me. Currently sitting on thirty-one <laughs> points. Yeah, um, generally was not. That, was that a transfer in this week for Fernandez, or was that yes, first time captaining? Kevin De Bruyne out, transferred Fernandez in. It was quite the logical one to make. Um, yeah. Sheffield United. Was that for a hit, Carl? No, just just the first, just oh. the only free transfer I had for that week. Um, made him captain against Sheffield United. Seemed the obvious move to make. Them losing 2-1 probably scuppers that a little bit. Um, but not all hopes lost. Um, Salah, Son and Kane still to play. So really hoping for a total goal fest where I've got Regulon on the bench. So that's me. 31 points, living the dream. <laughs> just just the mere 100 points less than last week, if the if M3 blank. Yeah, we won't mention last week. We'll talk about just this week, because last week was shambolic. Uh, Jack, go on, talk me through what's going on with you this week. Well, not not quite as bad as, as 30, but still not great. Um, Consider the one that's delivered. I mean, he was due it, having watched him the last few weeks. Um, although saying that his goal was, I don't know if you you both saw it, but the the offside flag went up and um, who who was City playing again? Oh, it's got blank. Oh, West Brom and the West Brom defence just kind of what stopped in the league. That offside, because actually, I, I remember last season we had the exact same thing in Newcastle. John Joe Shelby played at the whistle, went through and scored at that against Sheffield, and I think at that point we all said. You've got to learn to play it to the whistle. See a bit of stick that first. she's got actually for I think it's Charles Massey for putting a flag up, but to be honest, I feel kind of bad for the the official in that because when then she's got to decide when does she put a flag up, when does she not put a flag up. Yeah, to me, you put just, it up and you play it at the whistle. It's the VAR, officials have been told it? this season, though, aren't yeah. they? They've been told you've got to play on as much as possible before you raise your flag. For me, it's not right. There was a couple instances. I think it was in the uh, in the cup game, uh, Liverpool United, or it might have been the league game the week before, where there was a few against Rashford, and the call was so late. It just seemed mad to me that that's the decision. But if that's what you've got to do, for me, the officials made the right call, and it's just the way that the rules are this season that seem a bit backwards. But... To the worst, it wasn't it? It's basics. Um, so really. I mean, watching it, it's bad to, to see it live have and unfold and see the defence stop like that. And the viral confusion obviously doesn't help, but you can't really blame Cancelo for just binning that. And I think, to be honest, that goes in regardless of if the defence stop or they don't. is a decent strike. I think you could have a position, especially with Man City, where they play for three, four minutes around the edge of the box. It's kind of like, do you let that whole phase of play happen for three, four minutes? And then pull back for an offside. I think at some point the linesman's got to make a decision there of, you know, just putting the flag up. And I think you've got to let the rest. The team's got to play at the whistle. You know, the ref's whistle is is kind of the one you go through by that, not not the flag. So I kind of feel bad. I think it was Sean Massey, wasn't yeah. it? I think I feel 
feel bad for her in a way from some of the criticism. But there in the st- when players are there in the stadium, like you got supporters there and you got a lot of crowd noise, I can kind of get it. Like they're not playing to the whistle because there's an argument of you didn't hear it. But in what's going on now, stadiums are silent. You can't not hear what's going on for sure. So I don't really understand. I just don't understand it from a West Brom perspective how they let it happen. It just seems so simple when you watch it back. And it just blows my mind as professional footballers how that actually happened. Anyway, to round up my game week, Grealish delivered. I brought in Antonio for Wilson. Both of them assisted, so that was a bit of a waste. Um, But when you get to the bench, it's an absolute shocker with Saka and Suchek there for 28 points. Um, I think I'm only now 30-odd points off, off you, Carl, in first place in our kind of mini league. So... To be honest, my selection, maybe I should have benched Bamford, but the rest of them I'm generally happy with. Let's see how kind of Kane, Salah and Robertson do. But I think pretty average game week for me, to be honest. I think looking at it, it's a bit of a strange one. You don't play Saka. Um, but then who do you take him off for? I'm looking through your side at the moment. I've played Bamford. He was against Newcastle, who are dreadful. Um, you're not going to not play Antonio Grealish. He's hit and miss and he did turn up. I think it's hard to know which one of your players you would have took off unless you bench boosted. It's the tricky one for me, to be fair, Jack. Yeah. It's probably Robertson is the one that could have gone on the bench there, but when you've got kind of, was he, seven and a half million pound defender in your side, you kind of feel inclined to play him. Um, but yeah, I guess for you, Dan, how's, how's the week gone? Actually, it's gone well. So <laughs> I'll say that so far, it's actually gone okay. We'll. Um, I made a couple of transfers during the game week last week and uh, took a minus four to get KDB in. And he then turned out to be injured. So I then took another minus four to get him out. So I took minus eight from the start um, with another minus four on top of that. So I'm on minus 12 before we even kick off. Um, so had, had you done the minus four for De Bruyne before the City game kicked? Or was it during? Because he came off 59 minutes. So if it's during, remember, you're kind of... I think- yeah, I think it was during, you know, I can't actually, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was during because I was just getting sucked into the hype. It's just <laughs> it's so easy to get sucked into the hype. Um, I just made I the executive decision. I just thought, you know what, let's just, let's go for it, get him in. Then he got injured and you can't really legislate for someone getting injured mid-game. So, but I traded him straight off Sterling, captained him, 22 points. Some sort of redemption there on Sound 57 with Son and Salah still to play, so... It could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot better, but you know. The, the big question: Are you currently back in the top million? Uh, am I in the top million? I don't. I don't I mean, if the game week, I'm in the top half a million. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've made made some bold transfers this week as well. Um, after our episode last week about Salah, I've took made the decision, got rid of Salah. I think it's the right move. I think it's the right time, even though. Did well in the cup at the weekend. Um, and yeah, I fancy it this week. You know, I think it's going to go well. And I think next week I'm going to be on for triple digits. Dan, I can just confirm looking at your team. So you're currently 31,000 off the top million. So not quite there yet. A bit of work to do. <laughs> to be honest, Dan, having, having been stung by a De Bruyne injury and you've now just put, well, done it. Well, what did you say? You've just done two transfers before the end of the game week. Again. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Correct, so I took another minus four for next week. I think my transfers next week, I like the look of them, you know. 
I think it's it's going to go on to good things. So we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think there's a summary of our game weeks. Is anyone, any particular matches, any players that stood out for you boys this week? I mean, the City defence again just shows they're just formidable, aren't they? Back both from just clean sheets. But if you own, well, having owned three of their back four for the last few weeks, kind of at least one of them chips in with a goal or assist. So I think I'm kind of set and forget now for at least the next, well, probably until De Bruyne comes back, I'll just sit on those three and bank the points. Um, Outside of that, I think having watched the Villa game, Greedish, as usual, as I think we talked about in the first pod, was involved in a lot and probably could have got more than the eight points that he's ended up with. Um, What about you, Kyle? So for me, I had Harrison in my team from back when Leeds were going to have a double game week. He had two quite promising fixtures. Um, But the, the plan was to get him out after that double game week. Quite unfortunate that we didn't have that, but um, Harrison's now come out for Gundogan. The initial rationale of not taking it this week was having the minus four. So I thought Harrison might do something against Newcastle. Gundogan, I thought, would do something, but I didn't realise he'd get quite as many points. I thought the minus four was quite risky. Still think, you know, risk and reward, you know, you've got to take that way up on every one. So I didn't take the minus four, but that's a transfer I've got into next week is, is Gundogan in. Harrison. Yeah, but you've only lost three points though. So Gundogan got fourteen, Harrison got you seven. If you took the minus four, you'd have got an extra fourteen points. You'd have lost out on eleven. So you've really only gained three points by not, or lost three points by not doing the transfer. So I think in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't the worst decision to make. The other problem might be is is if his price rose and you then lost out on a bit of money. But I think it rose okay. by zero point one. But I think you've got to. You've got to weigh it up. You can't, you can't catch every player at the bottom, at the bottom of their price. And you know, I've done that with quite a few players this season. You know, Cavalu and Bamford, even Smith Rowe to an extent at four point four. Um, so you can't really do it with everybody. So you just accept the zero point one and, and move forward. I think. Yeah, I'm just looking at some other sort of standout players from the game week. You got Saka for Arsenal, who again come on, played ninety minutes. Scored, assist, three bonus. It's it's just good to see when you've got him in your side. Is he worth making the transfer for you now, Carl? When you look at going forward into this next game week and Arsenal signing the boy from Real Madrid on loan, it seems to me as though it's either going to be him or Smith Rowe that plays. Do you have any plans to keep him in? Do you take him out? I think at 4.4, just keep him in, I think. You know, I'd only be swapping him for somebody with that available money that someone else is that's going to sit on the bench anyway. So I think it's one of them where got a few games out of him, got some points on the board, and that's pretty good. Hopefully, I mean, it's going to take this new guy a bit of time to adjust to the league, you'd think, as you see with quite a few players this year, Havertz, Werner. It's going to take a bit of time. So Smith Rowe might still get some games, and I think at 4.4 is your last sub. I don't think it's a a big issue there. Yeah, I'd agree. I've just had a look at him. He's a, he comes in at 6 mil, Um and based on his, so this is his appearances since 2017. He's had 100 appearances, scored 15 goals um, over in Europe, which for a, a youngster, it's, it's not a bad return to be fair, so he could be worth looking at as an option. If Arsenal are going to continue going on the up, 
I think he could be could be potentially squeezing for some good value. I think we're looking here though. This is fantasy football, not football manager, and I think guy was a wonder kid on football manager. I'm just I'm just not sure on a six month loan. It's it's really one I'm thinking about putting in my team. Yeah, I'd agree, Carl. I think it's that well, when Arsenal signed Sabeus on loan, I mean I think Spurs were in for him as well and personally I was not gutted, but was one that I was disappointed that we didn't didn't sign and let let Arsenal get hold of him. But you've seen how much he's kind of struggled. Well, not massively struggled, but he's not delivered quite the promise that um, when that signing was kind of announced that Arsenal fans maybe had hoped for. So I think re- really a, a youngster coming in, coming in only having a a few months before he's going to be leaving again. How much impact is he really going to make? Um, so yeah, I think at six million. I mean, when you've got Smith Rowe and Saka, who are both cheaper, I'd be amazed if you see his ownership higher than a few thousand, to be honest. Yeah, he's at 0.1 at the moment. It's questionable whether it will rise much higher than that, and you've got to wonder who's putting him in. But, you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. Just I mean, looking, ahead at, your, looking yeah. ahead at your teams for this week, boys, any, any transfers in, any surprise packages? I'll take that first. So I'm going to roll a transfer this week. Bamford is one that's close to the chopping block, I think. Same with Robertson. Um, so the move I was looking at earlier in the week was potentially bringing Vardy back in. Or not back in, actually. I haven't owned him all season, but bringing Vardy in. Um, and then just going for kind of a 4.5 cheapy um, to replace Robertson. Maybe Walker Peters, um, or one of the Chelsea boys in Rudiger. And I think we're going to get on to Chelsea in a bit more detail, so I'll leave that for now. But yeah, game week, what is it, 2021 20, um, next week? Game I'll, week I'll roll the transfer. Game week yeah, 21, game... I'll roll the transfer um, and I'll probably captain City defender, I think. I think I've run out of patience with the big boys in midfield letting me down. So I think I might just bank a clean sheet against Sheffield United and, and move on. Oh, nice. Carl, how about yourself? Any tips and transfers for the upcoming game week? I think, as I said, I, I made the Gundogan switch. Um, it's the one I've made. I think you, with, with Kevin De Bruyne out, I think he's going to play most weeks. I think it's a good one. And I got him at 5.6. So even if it does rotate, you know, if you've got a bench that plays, I don't think it's, don't think it's the end of the world. I think there's a tip. For anyone listening, I think Spurs are a good one to go for. Um, against Brighton away, I think it's a kind of fixture that, I mean, might just seem to me as if Spurs haven't played as many games recently as some other teams. I don't know if that's actually true or it's just a feeling that I get, but I think, you know, as we speak, the teams have been put out for um, for the Liverpool game. And I think Regulan's been rested. There, so he may be one. I think he's injured. He's there. injured, Carl. Is he injured? Yeah, he's out for a couple of tip. weeks. I think Spurs are one. <laughs> Spurs are one looking longer term. I think if you look at the, the the potential, although not confirmed, but the doubles that are predicted from now to game week thirty, I think Spurs or Spurs and City are the two that are going to be. I think it's at least what two or three between them, or both of them. So, having just have having Kane in my side probably going to look at I mean to be honest Ndombele is, is one that is tempting me is he's playing that more advanced role 
um, obviously a brace in the week or early week against Wickham. Um, and I think trying to catch you, Carl, with, with you owning Sun, our sides are so similar at this point. If I do make the Sun move, we've basically got the same 11. So, yeah, longer term, I think, Endombele and then maybe um, Aurea might be one to look at. So what are your, what are your thoughts on Endombele, Jack? Is he, do you think he is world-class? Dan, I'm not going to get into this bait on a, uh, a podcast, but um, for, yeah, for the listeners at home, let's just say Carl, Carl gets very riled up over my views on Endombele's talent, um, and that's, that's all I'll say. But yeah, I think, I mean, he's qu- complete quality. Um, I think he can either do it in the role he's playing at the moment as a kind of a number 10. I think longer term, we'll probably see him a slightly deeper. Um, if we have a kind of an actual creative player in Lo Celso or whoever that may be that that can stay fit in front of him. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a joy to watch as um, is it Martin Tyler or whatever one of the commentators um, uses that cliche. Yeah, I think I think it's just fantasy aside. I think to be world class, there needs to be a level of consistency shown. I think and Mourinho's been been in place and called him out a few times I think already so he has he has shown some quality this season but need to do a little bit more I think but I think tips for this week I think one as well to look at might be someone in the Everton team so I think if you look they've got two games in hand of the main pack really if they win their games in hand then they'll go back up um, into the top four um, so I think that might be one to look at I think Ancelotti will know them games in hand and he'll be only thinking to himself yeah and it's a really on Everton they finally got Everton have finally got kind of Calvert-Lewin Richarlison and James back in the side I think the kind of dip yeah, that James, they've had go on sorry James scoring against Leicester as well is, is he back is is he worth is he an option to come back into your sides not for me um, maybe I'll wait and see but I think just at his price point there's a lot of other options there. We talked about Saka, talked about Grealish. Like they're all around, in and around that same kind of price. Same with Gundogan, same with Foden. I think really to warrant is is Rodriguez something like seven seven point five. He might have gone up a bit more since the start of the season, but uh, 7. I mean even Suchek, Suchek again a brace this week. Like I'd probably rather own him than Rodriguez to be honest. But we were talking earlier about you having to sort of start to go a bit niche and a bit left field in players. I remember at one point Rodriguez was owned by about fifty percent of Premier League managers. Now it's under ten, I think it's about nine percent, eight percent as he's at at the moment. So if you're trying to look for someone a bit left field with Everton's potential run of fixtures coming up, Newcastle, we've got Leeds, then United and Fulham. There are games in there where a lot of goals can be scored. I look at my side for this week, made two transfers. I got in, got rid of Callum Wilson after sticking strong with him for so long. He just didn't perform. I know he got the assist midweek, but for me, wasn't the boy to have in. So I've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin back in. Uh, I don't think either of you two have got him in. I need to start making these decisions to try to creep creep back up on you. Um, another one, perhaps I'm a bit late on this, but it's James Madison. Got rid of Salah after our big discussion last week. And I just think it's the right time to get to get a Leicester player in. Again, they've got Leeds, they've got Fulham, then Wolves, who aren't exactly in form. Liverpool look a bit dodgy. Um, Villa, then Arsenal. For me, 
got to look at Leicester as a good option. So I'm looking ahead at my week. Two City defenders, Madison, Calvert-Lewin, captain in Sterling. I think potentially it's on, on for a good week. Yeah. Uh, on the, um, yeah, I think around kind of Everton and thinking longer term as to who those differentials are going to become, I'd be interested to see for Rodriguez that 8% number, if you probably take away inactive sides, that's probably down to like 1% or 2%. I think you'll see a big swing in people's sides kind of game week 29-30. I think you'll see a lot of people use that second wild card and as people are kind of either chasing one another or just chasing kind of rank overall, I think you'll see more and more punts. And at the moment, it feels like everyone's got the same team, to be honest. I think I said me and Carl have got kind of eight of the same starters, I think it is. Um, so hopefully other players start performing and the sides can actually diverge a little bit but we'll see what happens I think the wild card will be key won't it I think for me I'm looking at Salah thinking I will get rid of him eventually but it'll be when I'm looking at the wild card to think you can be caught in the trap of if I take Salah out I might be inclined to try and put someone like Vardy in to try and almost use up almost that amount of value that, that I've got sitting there but it may actually be better if I take a wild card when I do take them out and just kind of balance that across the team so I think that's probably when I'll be looking at taking Salah out Yeah, it's a good call So, looking ahead the key fixture for this week seems to be Arsenal versus United good win for Arsenal in the week uh, a couple of good performances um, from Saka, Lacazette pitched in as well, um, United looked a bit ropey after what's to be fair for me been incredible season I think if you offered any United fan second at this stage of the season one point off top albeit City have that game in hand I think anyone would take it it's an interesting tie for me Um, you typically think Arsenal being at home is a big advantage but as we've seen with Covid this year the home advantage isn't really there and I think Arsenal could be there for the taking from Man United I'm in two minds about both Arsenal and United at the moment I think you saw last night with the United defeat that maybe their their run of recent form is kind of flattered to deceive ever so slightly. Maybe, I think, to be honest, their performances have been better than what they actually are. And then the flip side to that is actually last night I thought they were probably better than a 2-1 defeat to Sheffield United might otherwise suggest. So I think if I was back in it, I'd probably go a score draw. Um, thinking more on the fantasy side, I think I'll definitely play Saka this week, probably bench Bamford to, to get him in, in the the eleven. Um I think yeah, both both sides where they're just weird to be honest. Like I don't know how else to describe them. Like United it seem constantly in this up and down cycle of amazing back to bad. This could just be a start of another one of those terrible um uh, United runs. And then with Arsenal you don't really know what side you're gonna get. I think yeah, for I think me, it's a good point. I oh, think God. for me, if you look at like last night, I think it was, I think it was almost a bit of underestimating of Sheffield. I think they rotated quite a bit. So I think Bay was out the side, Shaw was out, and Cavani was left on the bench. And I think for me, Cavani has to start every game. I think it just gives United something completely different going forward. And I almost think they underestimated Sheffield a little bit. But saying that, I think they were unlucky as well that. They did lose, I think, if you look at the kind of the goal that Sheffield scored to open it, 
Billy Sharp definitely pushed the goalkeeper. And then if you look at the other side, Maguire got one chalked off. Probably a similar kind of offence, really. So I think they're unlucky in a way, which is something with refereeing decisions you never really associate with Manchester United as, as being unlucky with them, actually. I think, but yeah, I think that's that. And I think looking at at Arsenal, I still think it's a, I think it's a pretty close game. I think if you look down the airs, it's one that I always really kind of try and stay clear from a prediction point of view. I think I would definitely stay clear of any defenders of these two teams. Cause I think either of them have got a goal in them here. But I think, yeah, I think Fernandez is a good shout. I still think you could probably get something on the board. If you've got someone like Saka in your team, I'd keep him in in the start 11. But maybe it would be kind of your defenders I would be looking at leaving on the bench. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I've got Wan Bissaka and he's currently sat on my bench. Barring any injuries, I, I can't see a reason to bring him in. I think for me, there's goals from both teams. Um, Saka and Fernandez seem to be the key key players for me moving into the game week. I'm even saying that. So, I mean, Wan Bissaka's sitting on my bench at the moment for the next game week, but I think that's because I had Regulum playing next week against Brighton, but I've just been told he's injured, so Despite my advice, I may be forced into playing him this week, but <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's interesting. I think going forwards on a bit of a different topic we've seen with Chelsea this season, I think Frank Lampard getting the sack. Um, it's not fantasy related directly, I guess, but boys, what are your thoughts on that? Is it a bit harsh on Frank too soon? I think it's, I think it's definitely too soon, I think. But it's your Bramovich way, isn't it? I mean... Didn't Ancelotti got sacked after he won a trophy? I mean, yeah, I mean, this happens all the time with Abramovich. But I think if we look back in December, Chelsea was sitting top of the league. I mean, they've had a 10-game, in 10 games have been pretty bad. But I think to sack after 10 games just seems strange to me because I don't understand why you would give Lampard the job if you don't expect these runs, these dips in form. You're going to get it with someone like Frank who hasn't managed all that much. So to me, it was almost, if you were expecting this kind of, you know, we're going to win the league this season, we're not going to have these dips in form, it almost seemed like you wouldn't want to spend the money with Frank there, wait until you get a new manager in and then give the new manager the money. So it still seems a bit strange to me and a little bit early, but not surprised by any stretch. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, Cohen. On, on the point of... Why, why have Chelsea sacked him? Kind of, They knew what they were getting in the sense that he was a young manager, not a load of experience. He's not going to come in and win the league overnight. I think some of the... I don't know if you've, you've read any of the quotes that have... Well, indirect quotes that have come out from the Chelsea camp, but I think by all accounts, a lot of the senior players didn't quite get what he was trying to set them up to do. Um, I think some of the attackers... I think it was a quote in the Telegraph or, or something today that... They didn't really have a plan when, when in those attacking in the, in the kind of um, final third. So when you kind of hear that, if you're if you are the kind of Chelsea board, okay, we've brought in a young bloke or a young legend of the club to do a job, but actually, if he can't kind of get a team set up um, to attack well fundamentally, then is he the right guy? Um, but yeah, I think I think it's harsh to be honest. I would have given him at least a season. Um, and I'm sure we'll get on to what that means in terms of Chelsea assets in fantasy, but wait and see, to be honest. I think one thing's for sure is that he didn't quite find his best team and what that was. I mean, you had Havertz, you had Werner, you had Abraham, you had Hudson-Odoi. 
kind of and Drew also as well. He kind of mixed them in a front three and a front four, kind of all the time. So he didn't really quite find his best team. And I don't know if part of that's because the big money around Havertz, for example, he has struggled so far. I don't know if there's a pressure to play him. Sorry, to play him with that price tag. That might be into it a little bit. But yeah, I think he didn't find his best team at all. Yeah, I think for me, it was a bit early to to sack Frank. Because given what he did in the first season, where the transfer ban, Hazard gone, for me to achieve what he did in the first season gives him a bit of license to not do so well this season, even though he spent a lot of money this season, but it's only on a handful of players that haven't performed. Is that entirely Frank's fault? For me, it takes a long time. Some players don't adapt to the Premier League overnight and it's it's quite tricky for them. Um, but as you, I think, as you said, Carl, do Chelsea have any sort of identity and did Frank know his best side? As a strong argument to say, no, he didn't. It, he's almost changed it up and started playing an ageing Giroud up front, who I think is a great player, but when you're Chelsea and you're looking to win titles, should you be depending on an ageing striker like Giroud to lead the line? For me, not so much, but Frank's gone. Thomas Tuchel in. Is he, is he the right choice? Does he, what does he bring to Chelsea? What does it mean for fantasy players? I think as a, as a Spurs fan, I think it's a bit of a worrying appointment. I think maybe we won't see it initially, but I think come to, towards the kind of final third or at least kind of the last 10 games of the season, I think you'll see a step change in Chelsea as a side. I think as a as a German manager, you'd imagine he's been brought in to get the best out of Werner, Havertz. Um, obviously, Rudiger's there as well. No, not, not necessarily a kind of big name um, signing there. But yeah, I think I think it's a good appointment. If you look at who who, who else could they have got in, he's probably the only one that really stands out. Being a free agent makes it kind of even more of a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I think, think he's going to be quite flexible in the way that he plays with Chelsea, though, because you look at how he played with PSG and the level of players that he had. He had Neymar, he had Mbappe, he had Cavani up front, and he was quite fluid in his 4-3-3 that he used to play with them. But you now look at the players that he's got at Chelsea, will he be able to implement that same vision back at Chelsea when, with all due respect to players like Abraham, Hudson-Odoi, Havertz, Werner. For me, they're just not on the same level. And it'd be interesting to see how the team adapts to Tuchel's ways and how he adapts to how well the team is at the moment. they would be good to see from a fantasy perspective. Oh, I'm, I'm tempted to steer clear of any of their midfielders and strikers going forward. The obvious choice, as I'm sure Carl will come on to mention, is is Mason Mount under Frank, played week in, week out. First game yesterday, didn't play. What? So he seemed to be the value option there and it just doesn't seem to be working at the moment for him. I think with Tuchel as well, that he's worked with Pulisic before. So I think part of it might be trying to get the best out of him. I think that was at Dortmund, wasn't it? I think they had a good, a good relationship there. So I think Pulisic, from a fantasy perspective, is probably the one I think to look at. I think out of that group, I think he's, in my opinion, probably the most talented out of that group of players, worked with him before. So I think that's probably the one to look at going forward. Yeah, I think if you've got Mount in your team, I think it's one, to your point, Dan, to potentially bring him out. I think if he plays, it'll be in a deeper position under two shells. So I think he's potentially one to look at bringing out. And what about the defence? Where do you... Do you think he plays solid enough football at the back to show to warrant getting in any of the Chelsea boys? They've got Burnley coming up, 
Um, Spurs, Sheffield United, Newcastle, Southampton, maybe Spurs aside, none of them have been firing in goals for fun of late. I think the interesting one to look at, if you are going to go with the Chelsea defenders, Chilwell. So he almost started for um, Tuchel, almost playing as a winger. He almost played a really flat three at the back and almost looked at times like you had Hudson-Odoi and Chilwell as out-and-out wingers. It looked as if they would set up like wing backs, but actually they were more like wingers. And I think Chilwell got forward probably even more than he did under Frank. So I think if you're going to look at it, you look at Chilwell. Whether they're tight enough at the back, I honestly couldn't tell you enough about the way sort of Tuchel plays in domestic football. I think most of what I've seen from him has been in the Champions League and, you know, over two legs on a group stage, you can get anything, can't you? So I think, yeah, domestically, I think, yeah, I think it would be chill well if I was going to go with one defender. I think what would be interesting is whether he plays as Villacueta or not. You look at how many games he's played this season. It's not been a lot. He had a string of starts towards sort of the start of the season. Um, then just, well, I can't remember whether he was injured, but since Burnley in game week seven, up until Wolves in game week 13, just didn't play. But he got 90 minutes under his belt under Tuchel yesterday. He's Good player getting forwards, get some crosses into the box for some assists. I think he could be good value at 5.6. Jack, what are you thinking on, on Chelsea? Yeah, the only other one. So I mentioned earlier about looking at um, Bam- getting Bamford out for Vardy. Um, and the way that I kind of made that work would be going Robertson to Rudiger. Now, obviously, it's only one game. Um, so you can't it's too, I mean it's way too early to judge any players really under him but if he does maintain a, a role in that part of that Chelsea defence I think he's kind of four point was he 4.5 or 5.5 um, either way I can I can 4. afford 5 him at, at the moment 5, so I can do the that move so Bamford to, uh, to Vardy Robertson to Rudiger might be one that ends up panning out we'll probably see over the next couple of weeks um before really pulling the trigger on, on anything Chelsea-related. I, I think, Carl, the point you made on, on Pulisic being one to watch, I think is a good one last year. I think I owned Pulisic for a, a good chunk of the season or a good chunk of the, the last third of the season and he generally delivered the goods. So maybe he might finish strong again this year. But yeah, I think it's for now it's a wait and see, but there's definitely a lot of potential in there. And the other one is probably Hudson-Odoi, I think, although... On paper, like Carl said, he was set up as a kind of wing-back. Um, I think having only seen the highlights, but reading through Twitter, sounds like he was one of the actual bright sparks in an otherwise not brilliant performance. But yeah, wait and see. I think for me it's worth, if you're going to get on Chelsea, I think get them on get on them early because I'm looking through their side at the moment. Chilwell and Zuma aside, um, Chilwell was owned by 22%, Zuma at 16 not many people own Chelsea players. So if you're looking at, is this stage of the season where you have to start being a bit creative and it's shit or bust really. You could go for it and it could turn out to be a world-class call, but it could also just quickly go to shit and fuck up your entire side. Um, I think it's at this time of season I need to start taking risks and I'll be looking at Chelsea. Pulisic, Azvilicueta, Rudiger, they look like the key options for me. So they're the three. I will absolutely avoid given your track record but <laughs> I think one more potentially might be Jorginho I think at the beginning of the year I think most of us here out of three I think had him in for penalties alone 
I think I remember, I think it was when they won 4-0 earlier in the season. It might have been Palace, trying to remember back. But I think Jorginho had two penalties. And I think at that point, at around the 5 million mark, we just got him in for penalties. And I think that then changed under Frank and he didn't get as many games. Uh, I think he preferred Kante, Mount, uh, Kovacic in there. So I think Jorginho might be one to look at, especially given the early indication of Mount straight on the bench in Tuchel's first game. I think for me, unless Jorginho is going to start taking a more forward role, unless he take and unless he takes penalties, I don't see him in even at four point seven. I just don't see him in as a good choice. I think there's other options um, around the sort of the five five and a half million mark that you could get in that you know will be consistent. I think it's the penalties. In terms of scoring points, I think it's the penalties. I think if you look at teams that do get a lot of penalties, it's players that run into the box. I think he was set up with. Sort of chill well, set up with Hudson and Dye either side, which do make runs into the box. I think Werner's typically someone that will run into the box as well. So I think you can get more penalties from that style of play. But again, it, it requires him actually taking penalties. And I think I think anywhere he's been, Jorginho's took penalties. So it makes sense to me if he does to get him back in. Maybe even if it's just someone that you put on your bench to give you a bit more value in the rest of your team and you see how it kind of pans out. I think similar to what I've done with Smith Rowe at 4.4, I'll keep him in there just because I'm using the, the extra value elsewhere in the team. So it might be one to do um, with him also. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good call. Um, so just looking at Chelsea, just away from a fantasy perspective, he's um, sacked Frank, got the new boy come in. They sit in eighth at the moment on 30 points. Five points off fourth. Where do they finish this season? Any predictions? Is top four achievable? I still think top four is achievable. I think West Ham's sitting in there at the moment. And I think with respect to West Ham, I think it's probably one that they won't keep up. Um, Yeah, I think they probably will look at it. I think City and United are the two that I think are looking almost nailed on for top four at the moment. I think then if you look a bit further down, Liverpool struggling again. I think if you look at their lineups, it indicates a few more injuries. So I think they're struggling a little bit. Yeah, and then I think you've got Chelsea outside of that. Chelsea and Leicester maybe to make up the rest of that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea top four, Chelsea have as good a chance as any of top four having made that switch to Tuchel now. Maybe the kind of five or ten games that it will take to actually embed his philosophy and his style of play might be kind of too little, too late for this year. Um, but yeah, really, City are well. I think City are nailed on for the league at this point. Um, but outside of that, I mean, United are obviously right up there. But if this is the start of another Ollie, Ollie's at the wheel dip, um, then kind of who knows what happens. Spurs just need to win a couple of games and they're right back up there. So I think it's it's too close to say with any sort of confidence, but I think really as good a chance of any, to be honest. And yeah, as I said before on Tuchel, I think a good appointment and one that as a Spurs fan makes me a, a bit nervous for the next couple of years at Chelsea. Yeah, good. Well, let's, let's move on then, boys. Let's, um, let's talk about our King of the game week how did how did we all get on last week I think Jack you seem to have a bit of a blinder um, picking Cancelo yeah, so should, should we just do a refresh on what what this part actually is so um, 
king of the game week, we all pick one player for the upcoming week under 8.5. Um, basically, I think we said we'll, we'll, we're not allowed to pick the same player in back-to-back game weeks. But apart from that, we'll keep it kind of fairly loose on the rules. Um, and then on Twitter, I'll, I'll do a kind of a bit of a leaderboard as we, as we go on. The winner gets kind of three points, second two, um, last place one. Um, but yeah, had a decent week. Kansaya was my pick. Um, obviously, 17 points with the, the goal, um, the clean sheet and the assist. So definitely take that both as a, a pick for the, the feature, but also an owner in fantasy. So, yeah, no complaints there. And um, Kyle, should we gloss over your pick or do you wanna, did you want to talk about it at all? I think it was almost a safe one in that I always thought United were going to keep a clean sheet. And if they kept a clean sheet, it almost the cap we've put on on the prize. Yeah. So it was Aaron wan you picked? Yeah, wan Bissaka I picked. I think yeah, I thought the clean sheet was there. I've seen him get forward a lot in previous games. Sheffield United have conceded quite a few goals this season where you know, the full-back's giving you the assist. So I thought it was a pretty sensible one. Turned out not to be the case, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what can you do? We've got... We got uh, what nineteen weeks for me to make it up. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. Um, so I went for Gundogan, and as we know, sort of got in a decent haul. Not quite enough to to beat Jack, but you know, after game week one of us doing this, I'll very much take it. Take second place, move on, and um, Gundogan only played week. kind of. Gundogan only played. Was it fifty minutes he came off? So, I mean, if he stays on for another twenty, I think he would have. He probably would have bagged a goal or an assist and you would have caught me but yeah two decent picks I'd say one shocker but hopefully Kai can pull it back this week just yeah. before we give our um, picks can I just can I just touch on something just before our picks what what do we think about Guardiola here every week someone gets subbed on 59 minutes some poor fantasy owner <laughs> uh, every week gets stung by it it was me last week if you had um, was it Bernardo Silva this week on 59 minutes. On 59, 50, yeah, no, it was 59-59 he stepped off the pitch. Now, I don't know if Fantasy gave him the 60 minutes. I didn't check, but on, whilst watching on Sky, it was at that exact second where his, left, uh, his, his foot left the pitch, which Pepper's got to be a Fantasy player. Like, There's just no way he's making those decisions at those times without Fantasy in mind, but... Every week someone's being stung. It was me one week. It'll be someone else this week. Someone else next week. You know, every week. But what so can I you do? I reckon the City boys draw lots before the game and they pick and they say, boys, who who's taken the hit this week? And it just happens that <clears throat> some players just seem to come off more than others. And <clears throat> it always seems to be the players that I have that seem to come off. I'm sure it's probably not true, but it feels that way. Um, okay, let's let's move on. Let's have a look at our picks for this week. Uh, I've got the luxury of going first this week, which is quite nice. Uh, two players spring to mind. I'm going to go... Madison is one that springs to mind. Leicester against Leeds. I've transferred him into my, into my side. I scored some high points lately, and he just looks... Of late, he just looks like he's quite a complete player, um, especially with Vardy out as well. I think they'll be relying on him heavily for goals. But the player who I'm going to go for, uh, probably Payne Carve for me to say it, is Dominic Carver-Lewin against Newcastle. I know that 
Carl's not been overly positive about Newcastle this year. And I think Calvert-Lewin coming back back in, he's played a few games lately, hasn't hasn't scored for quite a while. But against Newcastle, he's got as good a chance as any. So for me, my pick this week is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And Jack? I think it's brave, Dan. The, the problem with Calvert-Lewin is, he, well... He was very consistent, but he's always got quite a low ceiling. It's always kind of one goal or one assist. But, um, yeah, all right. I, Madison was the one that came to mind as well, but I think it's maybe a bit too obvious, and I think Carl's got, got him as his pick as well. So I'm going to go Antonio. Um, I think against... Um, I think they've got Liverpool, West Ham um, in this game week, I think. Since coming back from injury, looking at some of the underlying stats, he's been kind of absolutely smashing it again. Obviously, only an assist um, this game week so far, but I think he hit the post twice and just kind of chances created and shots at goal were were massive. So, back in back in the man to to run against that Liverpool defence and give me a couple of goals for fantasy and and the crown again for the king of the game week pick. This wasn't actually. Not my pick wasn't mentioned by either of you. Um, so my pick this week is going to be Perea for West Brom. I think if West Brom have got any chance of staying up this season, Fulham at home, I think's one that they've got to do something in. Um, Perea scored quite a few goals recently. I think he seems to be involved in everything good West Brom are doing going forward. So I think it's I think it's the week we see some Sam Allardyce magic. So that's my pick. Carl, have I you think, just seen uh, Suns just scored for... Suns just put Spurs one up. Uh, you love to see that, don't you? So Absolutely my, uh, love to see that. There's my decent game week going down the toilet pretty quickly. And, and a Harry Kane assist as well. Was it? Classic. Things I mean, like that's... that you just love to see, don't you? That's oh, the one this season for me that... Oh, Jack. VAR is checking. Oh, but you love to see that, don't you? I was just about to say it maybe <laughs> prematurely there, but I think Kane and Son together in my team is what has really drawn me forward this season, really having them two in there. Um, it's been great, but yeah. I mean, Son's the one that I have over Jack, so if he's got the goal, then I'm I'm quite happy with that. It's been ruled out. I don't know ah. if I believe you. Yeah. Anyway, I think I mean, fantasy. Let's call cool, it a yeah. day there, Jack. I'll let you get off and go and watch the stars. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I'm missing a cracker from the start of it, but we'll see. Anyway, yeah, boys, it's, it's been good. It's been good catching up. Good talking fantasy with you. I'm sure it'll continue during the week. And um, thanks everyone for listening. Cheers, boys. Cool. Cheers, lads. <laughs>